you never know when you have a wedding and you get a couple together and have them say I do that you're going to possibly run into them again and again and again and these little ones grow up I remember a young lady that that uh, had a baby dedication with and then saw her not too long ago in college boy they get big don't they they get real big fast but she loves the Lord and in that home they really had raised her in a Christian home and that makes a world of difference as well too we've had good churches as well well you can see we all like signs and wonders don't we isn't it amazing that, that people of all ages are fascinated by things we can't explain? It could be a magician performing magical tricks. But did you know that it could also spill over into the spiritual world as well too? We get excited when we hear, like at Sabbath school or during the church service, when someone stands before the congregation and shares the great miracles that has taken place within their life. And we praise God that it's happened. But some of us sit back and we say, I wonder why it always happens to a guy like that, but it never happens to me. We like unexplainable things. We're curious about the mysterious. Sometimes it can lead us to do things that maybe we shouldn't be going. Let me give you an example. There was a pastor who had always seen on television these faith healers. And one day in his city, one of these faith healers was coming and in a huge convention hall was going to do his, his thing. In fact, that faith healer was, you recognize him? Benny Hinn. So the Adventist pastor said, I'm just going to, out of curiosity, going to go and see if I can see whether he's faking it or whether it's real or what's happening. So he took his family and he went to the place and they sat way up in the balcony where no one would see them, you know. And he watched as it was going on uh, but something happened. His daughter, in the meetings, who had dropped out of the church, accepted Christ as her Savior. And his granddaughter was healed from seizures and a neurological damage to her body while sitting way up in the balcony. And he was amazed. A couple of years later, the same pastor attended another one of Benny Hinn's meetings. And he watched things happening. He didn't go quite so far in the balcony this time. He sat down a little closer so he could observe what was taking place. And all of a sudden, while he's seated a strange fire rolled through his body that lasted about two and a half hours. 
Benny Hinn said, there's someone in the congregation that is receiving the burning fire of the Holy Spirit and they needed to come down to the front of the auditorium to be recognized so all could see. The Adventist pastor tried to get up on his own power, but he couldn't stand. His wife literally had to hold on to him and bring him down to the center to be recognized. What's going on? He couldn't even explain it. It just happened. Two years later, while attending a prayer conference of charismatic leaders, the Adventist pastor was told by these leaders that he would receive new truth from God that day. A little bit later on, the Adventist pastor began receiving what he thought was a message from the Lord. And it was telling him that the Seventh-day Adventist church would unite with charismatics and evangelicals to form a new church based on spirit and truth. Do you see what can happen when curiosity gets the best of you? This pastor was deceived by signs and wonders where he just went out of curiosity at first and it later caused him to leave the denomination. Should we spend a lot of time emphasizing and thinking about miracles and wonders as a part of the latter rain experience? Matthew 24 and verse 24. Jesus is speaking. And while he's speaking, he's sharing with the disciples what's going to take place in the last days. Matthew 24, verse 24. And he says, For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. He's telling us that if we focus, especially in the last days, if we focus on signs and wonders, it can deceive us, God's people, who are looking forward to the second coming of Jesus. Why would he take time to make that warning if it was not true? So what's happening in the world that's causing good Christian people to be deceived? Well, there's a shift taking place in the thoughts of Christians in the world today. One explanation is the fact that there has been in the minds of Christians this shift that is going from Faith in Christ to feelings, emotions. For some reason or other, and it's just kind of slowly evolved into this, Christians don't believe God is with them until they feel or experience something out of the ordinary. 
And the, the, the greater the feeling, the most unusual the event, the more God is blessing. That's dangerous. Galatians 3, verses 13 and 14. Galatians 3, 13 and 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through what? But remember, there's a shift taking place, and it's shifting from faith to feelings. Do you see what the devil is trying to do? He's trying to get us to a point where we give up our faith in Christ, where we're looking to our emotions for some type of an experience, and if we're not getting it in this church, then we're going to go to a church where we can see great miracles happening, especially within my own life. Some type of a feeling that will take place that makes me feel closer to God. We all know that our charismatic brothers and sisters rely upon speaking in tongues, uncontrollable laughter, passing out onto the floor after being slain by the Spirit, and other wonders, if they say, is an evidence of being under the control of the Spirit. And if you don't do that, the Spirit isn't controlling you. I want you to look at this for a moment. Ponder on this, coming from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3, verses 21 and 22. Look at this. Luke 3, 21 and 22. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized, and when he prayed, the heaven was open, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, and a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. We know this story. But let me ask you a question. Knowing this story, reading it many a times, did Jesus speak in tongues? There's no evidence. It's true that when the Holy Spirit came upon him in the form of the doves, the other people saw it, but he didn't start speaking in unknown tongues. He didn't pass out from being slain by the Spirit. He didn't go into uncontrollable laughter. None of these things took place. Yet the Bible says that Jesus is to be our example. Let's look at something else. Ananias was sent by God with a special message to Saul, who later became Paul, the Apostle Paul. So we want to look at Acts chapter 9, verses 17 and 18. Acts 9, verses 17 and 18. Ananias went his way and entered the house. Laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, 
The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he received his sight at once and he arose and was baptized. Now it's true that there was a miracle of restoring Saul's eyesight. But there's no evidence of any uncontrollable laughing or being slain in the spirit and falling on the ground. The eyesight was a different manifestation of the spirit than what Jesus experienced. Am I right? So we're looking at two different things. The evidence that the spirit is there, but we've got to be careful not to focus on what we think is the miracle, but focus on what the Spirit is going to do. What does the Spirit do with Paul? Leads him to be a messenger to the Gentiles. Let's look at Acts 6, verses 5 and 7, 5 through 7. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. And then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Look, the only thing that happened here was that the word of God spread, and the church increased in membership. It says nothing about speaking in tongues or spiritual healings or raising someone from the dead. Look at the example of Barnabas in Acts 11, verses 22 to 24. Acts 11, 22 to 24. Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. And when he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad, doesn't say uncontrollable laughter, and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Barnabas encouraged others. That was his real blessing from the Holy Spirit. It's not as exciting as raising someone from the dead or speaking in a language that no one else can understand or to laugh for two and a half hours or longer or to be so weak you can't get up for days. But what's happening is, is that the Holy Spirit is coming in a different way to different people. But the real miracle is what happens to these people when they're being led by the Spirit. Not necessarily the miracle, but what happens the days afterwards. So we... What should we expect when we're filled with the Holy Spirit? Should we look different? 
act different, be different than the rest of the family? Luke 4, verse 1. And Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. The real key is, somehow, some way, the Holy Spirit will lead us and sometimes it's in places we don't want to go. Sometimes he leads us into things that we don't even want to happen to us that makes a person without faith saying, Oh, why is God punishing me? When in reality he's leading you through that dark time. The key here is not the miracles but the miracle of the leader who's willing to lead me. The plan that God has set out for me. And my plan is going to be different than your plan. And so I shouldn't compare myself and say, I should be more like this person sitting over here on this church side of the church, or like this person sitting over here on this side of the church. They've got it together. They're just good fakers. I didn't say Quakers. I said fakers. John 14, verse 26. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. The miracle here is that the Holy Spirit is willing to teach me to be more Christ-like. Isn't that a miracle? Acts 4, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. The real evidence of the Holy Spirit was not when the earth began to shake, but the real evidence of the Holy Spirit is when they began to speak biblical truths with great boldness. You don't have to have the world shake underneath your feet first before you realize you've got the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. It doesn't say that the fruit of the Spirit is speaking in tongues, raising people from the dead, uncontrollable laughter. The list can go on and on and on. Actually, when you begin to look at these things, wouldn't this be nice to have in your life right now? It is possible. Even if things are falling apart around you. But sometimes we've got to learn the lesson of hard knocks where God leads us through some of these things by His Spirit for us to come to a realization that He's there and He is helping us.
1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues. That word tongues means languages. To another the interpretation of tongues or languages. But one in the same spirit which works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So how can I look at the person, even my own wife, how can I look at her and say, oh, she's got the Spirit, but I don't. What the Holy Spirit pours out on her is going to be different than what's poured out on me, or she'd be up here preaching to you. The key is, is that it's the will of the Spirit to be able to to manifest in your life what he sees is best for you and his ministry and his church. It might entail something spectacular, but it might not. You might think, well, but what I'm doing is, is so insignificant. If it brings one soul to Christ, it's not insignificant. Oh, pastor, if I was like you, if you was like me, you probably wouldn't be in this place. Because I might be faking it. You've got to look and see what's happening within your life. The fullness of God will come to those who seek in Him in hopes that He will actually change them to be more like Him. Isn't that what we want? He's going to empower us to be instruments in His hands and to accomplish His mission in the world. How He sees is best, not what I say is best. I don't control the Spirit. The Spirit is to control me. That's the great miracle of the Holy Spirit. So you might not ever see any supernatural, spectacular display of unexplainable power in your life, but that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit isn't guiding you. But He works in a mighty way. You know who that is? Ellen Harmon later became Ellen White. Now, we often talk about Ellen White in our denomination. We very seldom look at her as Ellen Harmon before she was married. At age 15, 
Ellen had struggled for months after her baptism with feelings of joy and then the next moment the feelings of discouragement. She went to see a pastor she trusted, Elder Levi Stockman. And he listened to her story of this up and down experience and his only advice was this. Simply trust in Jesus. That's, that's faith, isn't it? Later that evening, there was a small group of Methodists that met together in a home and Ellen was always very shy and bashful. Very seldom did she participate in any of the events, especially when they began to pray in the group, even though it was a small group. But this time she decided to put into prayer her trust in Jesus. And for the first time, she prayed publicly in front of a small group. And here's what she says in Life Sketches, pages 159 to 160. In that moment, when she prayed to trust in Jesus, in that moment, the promises of God appeared to me like so many precious pearls that were to be received only by the, for the asking. As I prayed... The burden and agony of soul that I had so long endured left me and the blessing of the Lord descended upon me like the gentle dew. I praise God from the depths of my heart. Everything seemed shut out from me but Jesus and his glory. And I lost consciousness of what was passing around me. Doesn't mean she passed out. She's just not aware of what's taking place around her. The Spirit of God rested upon me with such power that I was unable to go home that night. Faith now took possession of my heart. Isn't that the miracle? I felt an inexpressible love for God and had the witness of His Spirit that my sins were pardoned. My views of the Father were changed. I now looked upon him as a kind and tender parent rather than a stern tyrant compelling men to a blind obedience. My heart went out towards him in a deep and fervent love. Obedience to his will seemed a joy. It was a pleasure to be in his service. My path was radiant before me. No shadow clouded the light that revealed to me the perfect will of God. I felt the assurance of an indwelling Savior and realized the truth of what Christ had said, He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. She's not a prophet yet. That hasn't happened. She's just a young 15-year-old girl who's having ups and down experiences and she doesn't know where to go or what to do and the pastor says just trust in Jesus and when she finally got to a point saying that's what I'm going to do then look at the change that took place in her.
her attitude towards God totally changed. If that can happen to one person, what do you think could happen to an entire church when we just learn to trust in God? So miracles can happen, but you're not the one that's going to bring up the miracle. So don't go running down to Weaver's Mortuary this afternoon and saying, I'm going to raise all the ones from the dead down there. It's not what you want the Spirit to do. It's what the Spirit will lead you to do, and you will know it at the time. You'll probably be just as shocked as everyone else. But don't think that it has to be a super-duper unnatural event or else I don't have God in my life. It's just simply trusting in the one who's going to guide me through this world of darkness to be ready when Jesus comes. And as he's doing that, somehow, some way. The Spirit of God is going to help me to be a blessing to someone else as they're looking at me. And you sit there and say, Oh, heaven forbid that anybody looks at me in my life. They're not going to see anything. Let me tell you, they will see Jesus. And it's the Spirit that will guide them. There's great power in trust and faith in Jesus. And what seems impossible is not impossible for the Spirit that's going to guide you. We've been watching this week the Spirit working through us to be able to touch my son who a long time ago dropped out of church. Was raised in the church. We watched as he and his three little children were kicked out on the street without a house or a home to go to. And here we are, they're in Colorado, and we're out here in California. What can we do? By faith, my wife and I uplifted them in prayer. For someone who did not want to come to God, who rejected that whole spiritual life, he finally said on the telephone the other night, Dad, I want a change in my life spiritually. I can't get it where I'm living. So I'm coming out here. He might be on his way right now. I don't know. He wants his little children to begin to learn about Christ. And he says, I've messed up my life. I've been a mess. And now 
I want to change my life as well too. God is miraculous. His spirit. Now, Gene and I didn't speak to him in tongues. We didn't raise him from the dead. Although he's being spiritually raised from the dead. There's a church in Colorado, an Adventist church, that actually helped him for a couple of nights. Praise God for churches who's willing to be led by the Spirit and by a pastor who we don't even know, just met him once, who's willing to reach out and let God work through him. So hopefully next Sabbath you're going to see us with my son and my two granddaughters and my grandson. It looks overwhelming. We're not used to little children in our house. Well, my wife's used to me, but... <laughs> but I've got to trust God. That's the way of the Holy Spirit. We focus too much on the miracles. We see the miracles and we praise God for them, and we should do that. But we don't sit there and need to wish for the miracles to happen. Sometimes they happen and we don't even recognize them within our own life. But really, what we've got to do is to learn to trust in the one who's going to guide us through this messy old world. When I begin to focus more on the sacrifice that Christ made on the cross and less on the miracles that might be performed that I think should be performed by the Holy Spirit, the Spirit will do things in my life. Can you imagine it's the greatest display of the power of the Holy Spirit is the love that Jesus has for us to be willing to die on the cross that we could have eternal life. I mean, there isn't anything else that isn't any better than that. And when I can focus on what Jesus has done instead of focusing on, oh, woe is me, then the Holy Spirit will work great wonders. There's too many people in this world that are worried about all kinds of events. I'm, I'm, I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. Oh, they're going to get an army and they're going to come against us and they're going to do this and planes are going to crash out of the sky. And we sat there and California is going to become, well, Beaumont will probably be beachfront property. The focus is not on that. The focus is on the sacrifice of Christ. My God is big enough to deliver me. But if not, you remember what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said? But if not, I'm still going to serve my God. If you feel that way, I want you to turn in your hymnals to hymn number 294 there is power in the blood of Jesus if you want to experience power there's power in his blood to save us hymn number 294 
Lord, I'm standing here as the pastor of this congregation to be able to speak, I hope, for everyone that's here, to be able to say we are now wanting to put our full faith and trust in you and you only. Whatever might take place, wherever you might lead me, whatever you might lead me through, that is the great miracle that the Spirit is going to put to us what he wills and I'm willing to accept whatever it might be. Lord Jesus, come soon is our prayer. In his name and in his power we pray. Amen. Amen.